Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and whatever else there is out there in 2023, this is another episode of the Man Up Podcast. I am your host, Jake, the Mississippi Superman, Reeves. With me are my co-hosts, not Tyler Copeland, but we do have Wesley, the Armadillo Wrangler Dunham. And also with me today, Mr. Porch Talk himself. Hello, hello. Alan Aldridge. Mm -hmm. Welcome you. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to the man of vodka. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be here. <laughs> that's my that's my Allen intro. Yeah. Welcome you. Welcome you to the man of vodka. Kid Cudi song. Really? Mm -hmm. That's how you got that. Revo Faith. It's one of my favorite Kid Cudi's. What have I got to say to the kids? Hmm. Never, I've never listened to Kid Cudi. Man on the Moon Project One and Two, produced by none other than Kanye West. Bangers. Huh? Need to go check it out later then. Are you a? Huh? Are you a, what's up, Ben hey, Hardy? What's up? Yeah, Tristan, I'm with you. Where the hell is Tyler at? Where the hell is Tyler at? That's what I want to know. He gone. Where the hell is Tyler at? Where the hell is Tyler at? He gone. Where he at? He gone. He's working today. Again, he's been working the last two weekends, and I'm sick of it. Yeah. I'm sick of it. I'm what sick. What's he doing? Think he's got to make money or something? I'm I mean, sick of him picking work over the podcast. Nobody does that. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, I've done it before, but I don't do it anymore. I mean, you did it like two weeks ago. But I will not freebase cocaine, though. Okay. Well, you know the podcast is a little bored. Now, I'll, I'll, <laughs> like I'll take a drink. Time. I'll take a drink now. Matter of fact, let me get one. Yeah. I'll sure. take a drink. Now, uh, better get on that tequila now. You better wash now, your head. You know. <laughs> I mean, I like making money, so I don't blame him. But, you know, hey, it's podcast Sunday, fella. Tyler. Get it together. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk, dude. We're get it talk. together, man. Just get it together. Get your shit together, Tyler. He might be mad because Ole Miss put a hurting on his hogs yesterday. Man, I saw that. Ole Miss did put a hurting on his hogs. Yeah, see, uh, Miami I that give one. the game away to Georgia Tech. Or did uh -huh. you see my Longhorns give the game away to Oklahoma? I did see that. I kind of hated to see that. My dad was really excited because because Texas beat Alabama, uh -huh. and it was like a vengeance. Oh, he's like thing. that. I'm the opposite. Yeah. If I you beat my I team, I, I want you well. to be the best. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. if you beat like like if, like if I look like when I was fighting, if I lost to you. I want you to go on and do really well mm -hmm. because I get now that. I, get that. I lost to a dude who went like I didn't lose to just some nobody. I lost to a you know the best, oh, the yeah. best you know because that hurts if you get beat by a team and then they lose like their next seven games. Right, like <laughs> you should have like, beat them. You <laughs> should have beat them. Next thing you know, you both fall out of the post. Yeah, that's tough. Because that's what happens, you know. Like you when you're looking at like somebody ranking somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, who'd you beat? Who beat you? You got beat by the number one team. I mean, you got beat by unranked team. Now, as an Alabama uh, fan, I'm kind of glad they do this. But did anybody see the stat that they put up for Alabama yesterday after beating A&M? Uh -huh. uh, so it's since a close game since, too, by the way. since 2008, Alabama is 122 and one versus an unranked opponent. Any remembrance on why they don't recall 2007? 2007. They lost to ULM. Alabama, Louisiana Monroe. Really? That's uh, also that was, that it was, was all, his second year Saban was there? Uh, first year. I thought his first year was up six. Mm, you may be right. I thought his first year was up six. That happens every now and again, though. I only say that because 06 State beat Yeah, and that would have been Sylvester Croom, which was yeah. the last time State beat yeah. Alabama. Really? See, that was the same weekend that my high school team won the state championship. Mm. And we got bumped from the headline of the newspaper. Because 
Um, State, I remember when they State were when they were explaining it to us, they were like, "All right, y'all will probably be the headline on the sports section on sun, the Sunday newspaper, unless State beats Alabama, but that's not going to happen." <laughs> and I'll be damned. And then I'll be damned if State hey. didn't beat Alabama. They moved us to the bottom of the page. That sucks because that, that's so, like a yeah, one time thing. You're right that you can get and frame yeah. and all that stuff. It was a seven up. and six that year. Yeah, saying. that just goes. He, to show he wasn't you. playing with his recruits that's, with that's his just, players. Yeah, that just goes to show you've been you, whooping ass ever since. So. You're, you're who you recruit. I tell you, it's something I learned, man. You know, I'm coaching football this year. I've talked about it Have on y'all, here. Y'all's? We finished Saturday. Okay. We got skull drug by Columbus again, mm-hmm. and um, we finished the season one and seven. That's what I was going. So y'all did win a game. We won one game against Webster County. Um, Webster County, though, we were, we're playing eleven man football. They only had eight seven- and eight-year-olds on their team. Oh, boy. So they had to move five- and six-year-olds up mm. to play. That's how you got that dub. And that's how we got the dub. <laughs> we were like playing that. a lot of five- and six-year-olds. It'd be like this. It was fun. a rough year. It's fun watching those little kids, that little run around in pads. Like, yeah. With a helmet. <laughs> like little kids a little, like, <laughs> too weak. Yeah. They're, like, wobbling. They're, like, penguins out there. But there's some of them that ain't. And then the, some, of them oh, the, yeah. some of them that have that personality, they'll get the sack or whatever. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> what's crazy them. is just the level of athleticism. The gaps at that age are huge. Oh, yes, they are. Like, you've just got some kids. They're, they're built like 12-year-olds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're seven years old, but they look like they're – like, they're, they've got a six-pack. They're a head taller than everybody. Like, there's just one kid on my youngest son's Rogers team. Rogers already Princeton. got a mustache coming in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I remember when I played peewee ball at Burning. We had, I mean, our entire line was over six foot tall. Our entire line was over six foot tall. I mean, there, there was one guy at South Lamar who was six two. There was a guy we had. We had several that were all about six one, six, six foot six one. You know, five eleven, six foot six one. Mm-hmm. You know, two hundred pounds. Got a mustache. You know, crazy, crazy. These are children. This is not JV. Yeah. This is Pee Wee football. Have y'all not noticed that his first certificate got lost in the house fire? Yeah, yeah. but kids oh, yeah. are bigger these days. You think like, so? I swear, I dude. Oh, we had some biggins. My nieces and nephews, like at the age they are in high school age now, in early high school and, and middle school and stuff, are they're way taller than I remember kids being. See, I, I go to football games now and I look at the kids playing and I'm like, little. These kids are smaller than we were. That's how I feel too, man. I remember being like, you know, third, fourth grade and looking up to like juniors and seniors in high well, school different. and just thinking that they were giants. That's and different. then by the time that I was a junior senior yeah. and looking down, I was like, man, the kids have just gotten a little smaller. <laughs> stomping them down. <laughs> Why? Why you got to stomp them down? I mean, it, I don't know. Like They're small. Might as well. <laughs> like we was talking about last week, like you, you think about wanting to do things sometimes, but you don't. <laughs> intrusive thoughts. And intrusive thoughts, baby. Hotty toddy. Mm. You you an Ole Miss fan there, Tristan? Dang. I got to be honest with you. I think that might be my least favorite <laughs> SEC team. Damn, son. I think that's my least favorite SEC team. I, it's, uh, Ole Miss is probably the one SEC team when I see them leave the SEC, I don't always go for them. Usually if an SEC team is playing a non-SEC team, I root for them. Doesn't matter. And I, I do root for Ole Miss. And Oxford is a lot of fun. Oh, it's a black. Dude. Oxford's great. The square? Oh, it's amazing. It the blind. Grove. It's a mm. fun time. Tailgating. Now, I will say this. My dad, uh, he had a bad experience leaving the uh, stadium one night. Uh, they were walking on the street, leaving the stadium. 
And here come a whiskey bottle from the Ooh. top row. And he said it just missed him by like that much. And I was like, dude, that that's not that bad of experience. That would have. It was about six inches away from a real bad experience. But it would have put. You, well, you probably would have been six feet under if that. Unless if that it was a plastic taco vodka. No, it was a square. It was a square Jack Daniel. Ooh, yeah, that hurt. That's gonna hurt bad. Uh, hey, that would hurt real bad. Mm, that would tough. I love. I love. I, I'll be honest with you. The most. The the. In ter- in terms of, I'm not gonna say the prettiest woman I've ever seen was in Oxford. My wife's the prettiest woman I've ever seen. Let me just say that right now. Uh, just out of the way, <laughs> out the gate. Settle that. But as far as the most pr- beautiful women in one spot, Oxford, yeah. Oxford, Mississippi, I've never seen anywhere like that. Southern, like southern bells, southern bells. I've just, ne- I've never seen anything else like it. I mean, it's, just, it's crazy. Like they, they really are. Like, and I, but, and here's the thing: I've never been to LA. Okay. Well, see, that's why I was just fixing to say that's one thing that I can say. You know, I was stationed in California mm-hmm. while I served, and there's. There's some good-looking women on the West Coast, but I, I still think that here in the South is by Me far. Me too. From what I've seen. bounds ahead. I've been to San Francisco. There were oh. no pretty women. <laughs> there were some pretty dudes, but no pretty women. <laughs> I was about to say, what do you, were, what do you, how do you define women There were no there? pretty women, and the food was awful. Really? The food was I've never terrible. been to San Francisco. Man. I stayed so I'm thinking, all right, we're on the we're on the coast, right? Like we're so they're supposed to have good seafood. Mm-hmm. So we go to this super nice seafood place, right, overlooking Alcatraz, right, o- overlooking the bay. Did you um, go to Alcatraz? I didn't. I did. I think it was closed when I was there. That'd have been dope. Yeah, it was strictly business too, though, wasn't it? It's no such thing as strictly business, baby. I love that. There ain't no such thing as strictly business. <laughs> I like that. Okay. There's a little party in the front, a little business in the back, vice versa, yeah. however you want to do it. You know, like That's what we call the mullet vacation. You see. I, here's the thing. I don't do vacations. I only do business trips mm-hmm. because business trips you can write are off. tax deductible. Okay. So, yes, I was on a business trip to San Francisco. The majority of the time I spent in San Francisco, I was at a business conference. Most of the time I was there. But that's also my vacations. Yeah. So I go out and I have fun while I'm there because that's my vacation. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, next, not next weekend, but the next weekend I'll be in California on a business trip. Same spot? Uh, no, this will be in Temecula. Oh, San Diego. Yeah, yeah. South, South, Southern, Southern Cal. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited there, about it. It's down there between Los Angeles and San Diego. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll probably have to fly into Carlsbad and get an Uber. But uh, I'm pretty pumped. Yes, pretty pumped. That, that part of California is cool. I, I always said that um, if there's any part of California that I could live in, it would be San Diego. Really? I wouldn't have found a Los Angeles. I've got a buddy. There's, I, Palm sure. Springs was and okay, but it's in I the think desert. But. It may change by now, but I think politically it's one of the last big cities in California that it's not Democrat-run. Yeah, and it's a nice city. It's yeah, I've got, cool. a bu- I've got a buddy that's from there. Let me make sure he is from there. Well, for some reason, my phone was not going to work. Um, but he's real cool. He's real cool. I'm pretty sure that's where he's from. Yeah, he's he's got a, no, I was going to his Facebook to make sure that is where he lived. Um, but... Yeah, San Diego. Yeah, he owns he owns a BJJ school there, Infinity. His name's Dylan Dearborn. Super cool guy. Matter of fact, me and him. Um, one of the things we do in business is we will uh, we compete against each other. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're in these masterminds, you'll find somebody kind of close to your level, and you'll trade phone numbers, and you send so each you other numbers, and you compete against each other. And he was kind of my little competition. You know, he's kind of like what this is when I'm. And I'm going. Uh, well, no, I'm going to a, a real estate conference on this oh, one. No. Yeah, yeah, Avengers, the Avengers Mastermind. Sweet. So I'm pretty excited. Cool. It'd be a good be weather a, this time of year, too. 
Yeah, should be good weather. Oh man, there's a bunch. There's some ballers gonna be there too. I'm gonna be a now, little bitty eat, fish. You need good Mexican food. That's where it's at. Really? You know there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll check it out. I, I probably won't go as far south as San Diego unless it's not too far from it. I mean, it's a little drive, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm what do y'all make on barbecue? Like y'all like a Texas style, North Carolina with I the like vinegar? Do you like no. Tennessee? Um, I like Memphis barbecue. I like, I like St. Louis. Um, that St. Louis dry rub. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of St. Louis dry rub. I can't speak on all of it. I'll, I mean, of course, coming from Texas, I've had Texas barbecue, but other than that, I've had it here in Memphis. But I've never. You've had St. Louis, I'm sure. A lot, of, a lot of the barbecue around here, is St. Louis style. Mm-hmm. Themed style. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. most of you like dry rub ribs. A lot of that St. Louis style. One mm-hmm. thing I do I, was a big difference coming from Texas is um, beef ribs. Like when I come here, nobody really cooks beef ribs uh, here. Texas does brisket the best, mm-hmm. in my opinion, too. Oh, you a, he's a Southern fan, too. I've been an Ole Miss fan since childhood. Also a big USM fan. Um, uh, well, to so the top, so. baby. Yeah. yeah a, I was in Hattiesburg Thursday and Friday. Really? What were you doing down there? Uh, there was a songwriter night at – it was the inaugural event for a brand-new venue right across the street from Southern Prohibition Brew, and shout-out to those guys. But it's called the Mockingbird. Okay. And uh, I thought it was ironic now. Uh, but they did a Bluebird Cafe. It's a famous Nashville singer-songwriter joint. And they did it this exact same way. And I was like, well, it's iconic that you would call it the Mockingbird. Yeah. Because oh, it's, it's mimicking okay. the Bluebird. I got Yeah, so uh, you had a Carrie Hudson. And, folks, you may remember him from a band called Blue Mountain. Uh, they were originally from Oxford, Mississippi. But they were in Athens, Georgia during the time and peaks of REM and the Drive-By Truckers. I don't know what any of that is. I know who REM is. Southern Rock. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know. I've heard of that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but uh, the venue Blue Canoe, great place to eat in Tupelo, also a great place to catch live music. Yeah. The Blue Canoe, that is a, it's named that because of a line in a song from Blue Mountain. But Hmm. Carrie Hudson's arguably like probably the stable when it comes to Hattiesburg music. I got you. He's top dog. Nice. And you could tell, like, there was probably 50 people there at the venue that night. It was sold out. It was packed. But you could 50 hear. 50 people? Yeah. That sold out. Small, small, small venue. venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, you could hear a pin drop, and all eyes were on Kerry when it was his turn. You know, like, even even the other songwriters were, like, watching his fingers and, like, what's he doing? What makes him? What makes it so special? Magic. There is, there's just those people in everything, man, that are just special. Mm-hmm. It's just different. You know, they just got something. They just got that thing. They got yeah. the factor, yeah. whatever that thing is. That thing, you know. And, I don't and, know why that reminded me of it. You know that guy? You ever seen that? Uh, he started out as a, a boy, but he's, he's kind of heavyset, but the guy, that, that, they call him Kingfish. Oh, yeah. And he... Have you ever seen him play the guitar like that? It's like he's, blues guitar. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. He's yeah. kind of a he's kind of a heavier set. He's one of the ones like you're talking about. Just got it. I remember when he was a, a kid. Yeah. Like you, Speaking of Oxford, that's where I saw him and Jason Isbell. Have you seen him? Uh, I've seen King. You Fish. travel a lot for this shit, huh? Well, I was working that. That was a festival. I was working it. It was uh, the Double Decker. The oh yeah, I've been there for Double mm-hmm. Decker weekend. We had fights there. Um, we're supposed to be going, be going back on the 18th, but I'm not going. Uh, He's going. He's going to be taking my spot. Uh, I had a I had a moment where you know I got I got six of the Bama game that that day, and I didn't realize that. And it's it's not against anybody special. They're playing Chattanooga. Yeah, okay, it's a gimme. But it was like twenty five like bucks home, a ticket. Homecoming. It's a twenty five dollar ticket. I can't afford the regular tickets, and I'm, I'm taking my whole family. I'm taking, oh, taking all my kids. Taking my wife and all three of my kids. Is it your boys' and first they, time? That, yeah, it's it's, oh. it's 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 only my second time at Brian Den- Brian Denny. I've been to one other game at Bryant Denny. I did not buy the tickets. I went and sat at the Ivory Club with Brooke Burkhalter and those guys. I've talked about it on here before. Um, and that's the only time I've ever been to Bryant Denny. 
for a game. Like, I've been outside Bryant Denny. When I was a young and single, we would plan the, on where we were going to go out the, the based on who won and who start, was playing. You start yeah. on the strip, you work your way to the quad, you party all during the game, and you follow everyone back to rounders on yeah. the strip, and uh, that's where things can get a little hairy upstairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had, we had weigh-ins and rounders one time. Yeah, it was uh, – so I've, I've, I'd never been, and I promised my, my kids I was going to take them. My wife, she was like, "Are you are you going to be good to go?" I'm like, "I'm good. I don't have anything going on that weekend. I don't think." Hadn't had fights in a while, you know. We're, we're kind of we got this new fight team we're bringing up, and man, we got some talent coming up. Honestly, if, if they all stick with it, we got a few guys that are that are truly talented. Um, honestly, probably the most talent I can think we've ever had at the gym at one time, nice. like young, like young guys that, that could nice. be something. Thing is, though, a lot of the talented guys they don't they don't always have the work ethic. To get there, because talent by itself really ain't shit, mm-hmm. you know, not really. But um, anyway, we uh, I realized that I had messed up, and I got to think I was like, man, I'm sorry, baby, but I got fights that night, and we'd mm-hmm. already bought the tickets. And she was re- she was really upset, and I was like, you know what, Wes and Mo can do it. Mm-hmm. Y'all been wor- they've been working corners with me for how long? How long you been working corners with me? Over a decade. Oh, ten years. Homie's been working corners with me for ten years. If, you, if he can't do it by now, well, there's something wrong. You know what I mean? He's, he's fully qualified. Him and Mo are fully qualified to work a corner. They can take pans. They can work corners. It ain't got to be me. And I think a lot of it, honestly, sometimes. Look, and you could put your finger in your nose. <laughs> That's it, baby. Um, I think a lot of times, man, I had this moment where I realized, like, one of the reasons I don't let other people work corners, I think it's because I, I think I'm trying to hold that for myself. You know, like I want to be the guy, yeah, and it's sure. like, man, you got to let go and let somebody else, you know, well, do I mean, stuff. You got to let other you people have the, that. You're the face of relentless. It makes yeah. sense for you to be there for your fighter. Yeah, so. it does, and, I, and I'm gonna if if I if I can be, I will be. But like, there are other very that, qualified people here, there, and there's something to that too. Is uh, you know, passing that on and trusting your guys to be mm-hmm. able to do it. You don't have to be at every event, right? And that's that's the key, you know, yeah. because. Really, it'll, if I if I if I'm never able to do that, it's going to hold our guys back. It's going to hold our fighters back. Field chimed in, you know, um, and they don't work on their ground game. That's true. They don't. <laughs> that's true, and that's why they're all boxers right now. You know, and I don't have a lot of MMA guys coming up other than just like one or two, one really because they don't do jujitsu. Um, I think he's throwing hard lefts at me on that one because I've been in jujitsu. You don't work on anything. <laughs> Not in a while. And when you do, it's, it's ground game. So he ain't yeah. talking to you. He's talking. A lot of times they'll come in, we'll do MMA, and then they'll stay and spar after class, and then we'll start. I'll start oh, jujitsu, okay, okay. and then they don't stay at you do jujitsu. Yeah. Other than Justin, who's fighting November fourth in Tupelo in an MMA fight. Um, the eighteenth boxing. But the eighteenth boxing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um. So yeah, can you do the fourth? Can you? You want to second me I on the fourth? I got a, a wedding that night. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I can do, I, it. I can do the 18th. Though. Somebody else can do it. The 18th is an important one. I think I already asked you Wait. if you could do the fourth. The wedding's in Tupelo. I'm making make the fourth. Oh, maybe. Okay. Matter Either fact, way. Yeah, hell yeah. Either I'm way. Making. I'll let you know. Either way. I can definitely yeah. do the 18th, though. Yeah. Just go, let to know. go to a wedding and then dinner fight. Yeah. yeah. Why not? That sounds like I love. I love the fight scene, honestly. I do, too. I love the fight scene. Um. Dude, most of the time when the Trotter or somewhere, like, I've been to a couple of Tupelo events. Like, I'll travel for, if it's going to be a good card, I'll travel for a local fight scene mm-hmm. just, oh, yeah. just as quick as I will for a music festival. Yeah, the, the local fight scene is, it's, it's so, it's become so good. Mm-hmm. It's become so good, man. The show, all the shows are top notch, pretty much. Um, they really are. All man. the fighters are top notch. And the culture's growing, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, just UFC in and of itself, and even now the bare knuckle rising up. It's becoming like... 
you know, I remember growing up seeing a highlight of that, like on the ESPN. You you didn't see it. You'd have to go look for it. Now right. it's, you know, it's a top ten mm-hmm. thing that happened over the weekend. Yeah. Check out. The and stuff really, out. in the next twenty thirty years, I think we're going to see the athletes get paid more. And I know that's a long time. I think we're to see we're seeing it now. We're already seeing the athletes get paid more, but as it becomes a more ingrained. You talking about boxing style MMA? Money? Like, you talking about that style of money? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're I think we're, the sport's still so young, man. Y'all got to think the sport's younger <laughs> yes. than me in the U.S. I mean, the sport. I mean, the UFC started in '93. Mm-hmm. It struggled a lot in the first few years. The people who started it went bankrupt and sold it to Dana White and the Fertitta brothers, and then they saved it. And you, may, a lot of people don't like Dana White. I love Dana White. I, I don't have an issue. I love Dana White. And the way Dana White just lets the guys say what they want to say on the mic, mm-hmm. the way he's like, man, we got no filters here. If you want to, you know, Bryce Mitchell got in there with a Bible, and but then you'll have somebody else get in there and drop the F-bomb. and, and, and My know, balls is hot. Let me apologize <laughs> to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the double – it's just awesome. You know, it's that just one guy dropping the F-word over yeah. there. <laughs> they get, they get wild just let them, let them do what they want to do. You know, yeah, just let I people say what they want to say. That's my one thing. That's the one thing I, I – I disagree with on Dana White, and it may not even be his decision, but I wish they would still let the fighters put sponsors on their yeah, shorts. Yeah, me too. That's the only that thing. That took a lot of money out of fighters' wallets. Yep. A lot of money. Hell yeah. I mean, I look at even just the local thing, man. If you're a young hustler and you want to go out and get sponsors. Or if you got some big-ass name sponsors on there. Yeah, yeah, that's some big money. Big money. Yeah. A lot of times, spon- fighters were making more from their sponsorships mm-hmm. than they were from their fight. You know, but you know, on top of that, it's guaranteed, right? Just in case you don't win the bag, mm-hmm. at least you get your sponsorship. Well, you get half the money if you lose, still. Yeah. But you know, so if you get like ten and ten, you get ten to win, ten to show, but then you might make fifteen, twenty in sponsors. So you get thirty no matter what. Oh, Twenty five, I mean, thirty you got no matter what. Of folks seeing your product out there, like, what the hell is that in? You know, one thing I will say though, this is one of my problems with fighters. Um, they don't understand what sponsorships are. They don't really understand it. Because they don't – so I see these fighters who are like, man, all these companies, none of them want to sponsor me. And then I look at your social media page. Why no would they? Oh, shit. <laughs> no, why would they sponsor uh, yeah. you? You don't promote them. You, what you're looking for is not a sponsor. What you're looking for is a Money. handout. Mm-hmm. You want a handout. You don't want a sponsorship. That's why fighters don't get as many sponsors as other things do. And other, other things are that way too. But fighters are, are real bad about it. A sponsorship – is a advertising package. Mm-hmm. You should have clear metrics as to how me advertising for you is going to help you. Dude, I mean, even like with the podcast, like I got Manscaped and uh, Caldera Lab, and I probably don't do enough of it on social media, like on uh, formerly known as Twitter on X or on my Instagram, like my sponsors are pinned to the top, so that's the first thing you see, but I don't really talk about it on yeah. my personal. Yeah, you need to be blowing it up. You need to blow it up. I mean, because I mean, you really think about it. What's your well, value? What value are you bringing these companies? Yeah, and what's crazy is like they do all the work for you. Like I've got an email with nothing but this is what you say in the post. Here's the images that you put in the post. Here's a video if you want to use it in the post. It's yeah. like all the work's there. It's just, right, just post it. Just nothing to it. it. Yeah, nothing to yeah. it at all. You know, I, I just I see these fighters and they're they're so, and I've got I used to say something and I don't say anything anymore because I'm not as involved in the community as I used to be. I don't feel like my name has the clout that it used to because I'm not as involved. I don't have as many fighters actively fighting. Um, and I, and now, unless someone asks me for help, I try not to help them because I'm tired of giving unsolicited advice and people not taking it. 
Which one would they? It's unsolicited, right? That would be cool. It's unsolicited. I can't. You blew that up. Now I can't see it, Mo. Can you shrink that back down, please? Um. Yeah. Uh. Ben Hardy says it would be cool if the man up team could make it to the tough man competition by about. Uh, by about time brawling going to be in philly december 8th and 9th we'll love to hear y'all's commentary that would be super cool um in order for us to do that we would have to the, the promoter would have to give us the nod to set up for that but i would be i'd be, be down dope. for that That'd yeah and i don't have anything going on that weekend so the armstrong event that was put on i don't know what happened it fell apart but uh the guy that was organizing it uh mark sanderson he had asked me he was like would you or, you know, one or two of your friends be interested in commentary? doing the commentary? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a month, two months out, I didn't hear anything. And I was like, shit, I know the guys I'd probably ask, you yeah. know. But never, yeah, I know more. Never, never got to that point. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've done a little bit of commentary. I'm not great at it. I want to do the color part. Color oh, commentary? I, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not great at it. <laughs> B-Mac gave me some advice on He's like, man, when you're doing commentary – because that's what he does. You know, BMAC is a commentator. That's really what he does. He's got his YouTube channel and everything, but he's the commentator for EBI. He's a commentator mm-hmm. for Combat Jiu-Jitsu, for all of Eddie Bravo's stuff on UFC Fight Pass. He's the guy for that. He does some fights too, don't he? Uh, he did, used to. I don't know if he still does or not. Mm-hmm. And I know he's the one who does all the stream, like does all the setup and everything for him. Okay. Uh, like, he's, it's his guys filming it now. Didn't used to be, but it, now it is. Um, but, you know, I just um, – what was I talking about? Color commentating. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I think I just need some reps. Mm. Like I just my first couple times I did it. I did it for some. I've done it for boxing. Um, I gave Ben Parrish COVID doing it. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Right, but he had a fight for Bellator for against Christian Edwards. Oh. And uh, he got I came down. Yeah, he made it up and still knocked him out. You know, knockout. Yeah. Well, I was hoarse that next day after yelling on that. Yeah, I was pumped. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. But it, it's a good time. I enjoy doing it, and I definitely. I like doing it on our stuff. So when we do the when we do the the commentary for, like I would enjoy doing it for this. Yeah. Like when we do the, the working man wars yeah. and stuff because I really have feel like I have the freedom to just do it however I want and say whatever I want. <laughs> He's coming from Grandma's house. <laughs> oh, I'd say that anyway. Um, <laughs> Downtown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it's uh, commentary is tough though because you really you kind of have to always be saying something. Yeah. That's you kind of have to stay on top of it. I and was I was watching the the Phillies. I think it was Phillies in Miami, and uh, the dude just hit a grand slam, and the crowd was celebrating. And it was you know probably a minute and a half of. I wish the commentator would have just shut the hell up and just like let me experience the crowd for a second. I was like, this is a hell of a moment. Mm-hmm. You don't see many grand slams. Yeah. And uh, I was what like, what is a grand slam? That's when the ba- that's when the bases baseball. are loaded and you hit a home run. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dope. Walked in four, baby. That's a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I never played baseball. I've never got into it. And apparently, I passed that down to my son, or maybe he's overheard me say it because he was saying that. Hey, man, I hate baseball. <laughs> I'm like, why? He's like, I just don't like it. Well, it's not like, fun right. to watch on TV, and and that's my point. Is like, I would love a TV option to where, and I know you could hit the mute button, but I would just like to hear the crowd. Yeah. Instead of just hearing blabbermouth McGee. Oh, da, 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 all the time, you know. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Talking about being in the crowd. I think that's one of the reasons we like going to sporting events is because there is a hive mind, something that happens mm-hmm. when you get a huge crowd of 100,000 people that are just crunk. 
that are just going bananas for something. And it, mm-hmm. you, it's hard not to get swept up into it. Mm-hmm. I get how riots happen. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Because you yeah. like you just feel the moment build, and then we're all together. It's like, oh, shit, are we, are we burning cars? Uh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, we're burning cars. Like, let's go. You just kind of become a unit. I brought my baseball bat. You know? <laughs> That's why I bring Molotov cocktails and baseball bats to every home game that I've ever yeah, been yeah, to. Dude. Just in case. Just in case. That's why I like the, the – I know I've talked about it on here before, too, but being in the corner of the fights, I like being that close, but I like the atmosphere, and I like being able to hear it. Yeah. And, um, but – I've said this on here before, like when the fighters are coming out, especially our fighters, my heart's beating just as fast, if not faster than theirs. Yeah. Like I get pumped. I dude. get way more pumped and when I'm walking the out music comes on and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm, I may pass out. And we get, like, to, <laughs> like, we get to be part of the walkout. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm just yeah, like. Yeah. yeah, you're like walking out with the fighter it's and fun, like dude. you hear the pop of the crowd, just that boom. Like when, when you're out, especially if you're walking out with a hometown guy, yeah. like you're at home walking out. I'd see one of the best pops I've ever had. Was walking out with little Robert for his jujitsu match. Oh yeah, because he was like a little kid, and then, so like everybody's going crazy for him, and everybody yeah. loved him, and he had his family there, and it was just a, everybody there was going for little Robert because he's such a likable kid. That was such yeah, a likable. That was a good, that was a good yeah. pop. That was a good pop, man. They they really went crazy. Um, or even if one of our guys aren't fighting, and we have a moment to sit and watch another one, and somebody comes out to an absolute banger of a walkout song, yeah. Dude, I just, I almost like just want to start jumping. Yeah. I, I just want to get in there and fight. Yeah, I just get too hyped. I just want to get in there and fight myself. You know, like Damn. that was, uh, you know, one of the big things that I had to learn to do was when I walked out, not get swept away in that moment. Because mm. I'd get too hype in the walkout and then blow my that. wad in the first round because I'd just be like, oh my God. Like, because the, the locker room is terrible. Oh, yeah, I bet. The locker room is the worst your, part of fighting. You got your headphones in, listening to Beethoven? You're trying to, yeah. You're trying to just, I'm just trying to stay calm. I'm just trying to keep my mind off of it. I'm trying to talk with my boys, whatever. And then you have this moment of like, okay, they come back. You're up. You're on deck. You get you, you go and you stand on deck. You you just get ready to walk out because, you you know, you get this long, and, and I know you know, but you have this long time. A lot of shows, if they're well run, they pull you out two fights out a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a there's a fight going. There's a fight on deck, and they'll like get you ready during that time. Get you ready to, to go out. Then make sure you are where you're supposed oh, to be. Dude, the last venue of the fighting match I was at, it was four Sanderson's, and we had like because we were selling beer, we had you know access to everywhere. And I remember like going to the back to get more ice or whatever. And yeah, it was exactly that. They had these two guys pulled, and I knew their fight was like you're two fights away, and yeah. they're they're already. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're just kind of chilling. You're in the back. You're, in, you're you're pacing. You're kind of staying warm and stretching and shadow boxing and just keeping your head right, breathing. I, I do a lot of breathing techniques at that time, like just kind of mm-hmm. keeping my air going, keeping my lungs filled up, just in Calm, and out, in and out, calming music, just staying. But then you walk out and the crowd. If it's a hometown it's fight, so the loud. crowd just goes crazy, and you walk out and it's it's hard not to get swept away in that. Yeah. It's hard not to just kind of go with it too much and so I you know one of the things I had to practice was okay walking out enjoy the moment be in the moment check Phil out but you know (laughs) stay stay uh um stay out uh I wanted to throw up for all of most fight I wasn't that nervous the first time I, I jumped out of a plane yeah I was I was nervous for most. Uh, what, what what would our walkout songs be? I don't have to tell you what my walkout song would be. How you be. like me now by the heavy? Okay, that's a good one. 
Uh, my my last fight, I walked out to Mama Tribe by Merle Haggard. Hey, that's a hometown show too, right? Yeah, it was a Tupelo show, so it's pretty close to yeah. hometown. Um, I used to walk out to uh, put on for my city by Young Jeezy mm-hmm. if I was fighting at home. I I typically uh, we ready by Archie Eversall was my like we with ready the, with the fedora hat. We ready, yeah. What about you? We Rush? ready. I came out to. Um, uh, Hail to the King by Vince Sevenfold one time and Move uh, by Thousand Foot Crutch. You know, since we kind of pregame this to Roy Jones Jr., that, that first banger of a song, that would be badass to come out to. Um, yeah, the, the Can't Be Touched. Mm-hmm. Can't Be Touched was probably the most walked out t- song, to song when I first started fighting. I bet That's it why was. I didn't walk out to it. The reason it was not my walkout song, it was everybody's walkout song. And so I was like, man. I'm not going to be like everybody else. And I was going to walk out one time to um, Disturbed. Um, what was the name of that song? Um, I can't remember. No, it wasn't, wasn't Down with the Sickness. It was, uh, it was one, of the, one of the later ones. Yeah, a lot of people come out to that one. Lose Yourself. A lot of people walked out mm-hmm. to Lose Yourself. Um, there's like certain songs that are, such, that, are such, <laughs> yeah, that are such good walkout songs that it's almost lame to walk out to them. Because everybody's walked out to him. Like, it, it, you almost lose a bit of identity when you walk out to him. Like, you're just kind of like everybody else. Yeah. And so. Anybody I, ever come out to Willie Nelson? Not that I know of. No, now, we t- had a. <laughs> Richie, Richie would come out to Off the Walls. It would throw you for a loop before he fought you. Yeah. The, Brian White first? used to do that too. He like, Barbie out, Girl. Yeah, he came out to Barbie Girl <laughs> That's one time. Funny. I yeah, like po- that. Like and Brian came White out. came out to Poker Face one time. What was the second one he came out? What was the second one? Uh, Mulan. No, Holla Oh, Mulan, it was, yeah. yeah. I've, seen, I've seen guys come out to Holla Back Girl. Yeah. Make a man out of I've you. Seen, I've seen, uh, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen Tristan, click, 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 click boom. boom. Yeah, a lot That's of people used to walk out to that one. Saliva, yeah. Um, yeah. But there is just certain songs, it's just like, okay, everybody's walked out to it. So I didn't want to walk out to it. I wanted to kind of be original. And when I, when I, when I started, like, if I were to do it again, I'd probably walk out to something like Mama Why can't Mama we be friends? That's a good one. That'd be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one. You know what else gets me hyped, too, is it, when, it was when one of our fighters was on deck, or, like, we're close, and then the fight before us is just, like, a flatline knockout, and the crowd is just hype. Hype. You're like, oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. Damn. All right, this, here we go. I've seen some knockouts that kind of scared the crowd and kind of threw people for a loop, too, to where it was kind of, like, unnerving. That. I love oh, it, man. Yeah. When you catch a shin bone to the face or something like that, I love seeing that. Dude. That hard clack sound. But it's also like you can hear the <gasps> of the crowd, oh, and yeah. you can hear a pin drop. I remember when moment. Dylan uh, Kluckler killed that guy in Biloxi. Like that one was great. Yeah, he's dead. No shit. Shit. Man. Yeah, he's dead. It was a bare knuckle boxing match, and he fell. We recorded it. We were there, and uh, he fell head first. Oh, I think that was when you saw him a few weeks ago. Yeah, into the into the and just straight down to the ground. He hit the canvas, but he went head first, and his head like tucked under him, and it broke his neck. Damn! And he went to the hospital. He died two months later from a spinal infection because he was paralyzed, and mm-hmm. he was messed up bad. And then the promotion got in a lot of trouble. I, I get it. I get what people are saying because like Dylan was like eleven and one, and the guy he was fighting was like one and eleven. <laughs> yeah. Right, so it, like it, you said on the previous episode, that don't really mean shit at that it, level. It does. It does because it, it that he, guy wasn't at that level. He wasn't a gatekeeper. He, he uh, no, he was a he was a, a journeyman. He was a okay. he was he was the guys that you bring in to lose. You know what I mean? He was good. He wasn't bad, but he just he wasn't on Dylan's level. And everybody knew what was going to happen. And that's what they do. They build records. This this and it was bare knuckles. So it was like a new sport. That was their MMA records 
But I think Dylan Kleckler, I think I'm saying his name right, was like three and zero in bare knuckle. This guy was a debut. It was, it was kind of a, it was a little dirty, but that's the game. That's the fight game. We all know what we're doing, and 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 that guy knew as long as they lied to him about Dylan's record going in, he knew what Dylan's record was. He knew he knew what the business was. Everybody knows what the business is in this game, or you should. Now you do have promoters that lie, but for mo- for the most part, like if I'm a grown man and I'm zero and thirty one, and I want to fight a thirty one and zero guy, that's and I want to do it, and I want to get the paycheck to do it because they're going to pay me a lot. It's usually a really big paycheck, and if I want to make make that bread, like that's my business. If I if I if I don't want to take that risk, then I shouldn't get in there. And like back to your early days and stepping in, was there any like were you naive to the game or? Did you oh have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, my that, manager that had, was kind of a little that, dirty. I was about to say because that would be such in a bad place if you had like a shoddy manager or like someone who yeah. really didn't care about you as a person. Yeah. Well, nobody does. Well, nobody does really. Not in the game. I mean, once you once you've been in it for a while, they do. Like you make friends and mm-hmm. people start looking out for you. But when you first start, it's tough. It's hard. It's hard Shop to liver. start a school. Yeah. It's hard to start a school because people just. You know, like you, you, you got to prove yourself. You got to prove yourself to be a legitimate school. You got to go in there and compete with the big guys um, that are that are more experienced than you, that have better athletes than you most of the time. Because starting off, you don't have the best athletes usually. You're, you're just the guys you're starting with, and that's the thing about the fight game. It's not like you know, like me. I don't recruit for fighters. I recruit for my business, but I don't recruit for. I'm not out looking for the best athletes. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for fighters. If the fighters come in, I'll sign them up and we'll fight. But I'm not out looking for them. And. The other thing is, uh, you know, but, but and over time you develop them and you get more of them. And the other thing is just like promoters, they got to fill fight cards. They got to fill fight cards. Mm-hmm. It's just the guy. And I really yeah. didn't even really understand like how just, hard it was. You're just a number at that point. Yeah, I didn't realize how hard it was until I did it. I knew it was hard, but I didn't really understand how hard until yeah, I got did a lot it. Pl- you were promoting, matchmaking. And a lot of promoters are doing that, though. Yeah, well, I guess you do have a full. You know, when you do a, lot, a lot of promoters when they're starting out, they don't have a lot. A lot of times, they don't have a matchmaker yeah. yet. If I if I were to if I if I go back to promoting, which I want to do in the future, I'm gonna find a matchmaker. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hire a matchmaker. I'm gonna have somebody else handle the matchmaking, um, and yeah, let me focus. Yeah. Eat harmony. That's it. Yeah, I'm Bumble, you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna find a match a matchmaker. To take that off my plate, you know, it might be one of my homeboys, it might be whoever, but I'm gonna find somebody. Somebody can match them up. Yeah, yes. somebody that wants to do it. And, and and one of the things about matchmaking is, you gotta know everybody. Yeah, you gotta have some knowledge. About and it. and I thought I knew everybody until I started matchmaking, and then I was I had pretty much tapped everybody <coughs> that I knew, and I had six fights, and I was like, well, I gotta, and I just had to start cold calling and messaging every school owner in the southeast. And just you know, I would call other promoters I knew. Like, hey, do you have any? Do you know anybody? Here's their phone number. I'd call them. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have anybody, hey, do you have know anybody else? Are there any other schools? You know, and you and just then probably having to pe- people on a retainer just yeah. in case someone the, backs out. The longer you do it, the easier it gets. The longer you do it, now you gotta. Back oh man, yeah. I had one guy that I was was my boy. Hey, me and him were cool, and he no called, no showed me. He even trained out here for a while. Yeah, he used to train here. And he but no he call, had, no show. He got wet feet. I, I, I never spoke to him. That yeah. was strange. That was a very strange. He just like. Yeah, he was like, man, I'm in. I got him a fight. I got him a fight. He should have won. I thought he was going to win because he was a tough dude. Like, I got him a fight that I thought he could win. I mean, it wasn't a gimme because it was one of my homeboys' guys. So I'm not going to do my homeboy dirty, too. But I, I was very honest with everybody about everybody's experience, everybody's record, whatever. It was a very even good fight. It was. I was not sending anybody down the road. 
um, I got in there, I promoted them, I made posters with them on it, you know, like promoted them online, got to the weigh-ins, and he just didn't show up. Man, so I start calling him. I'm like, hey, bro, where you at? He's not answering. That's what I thought you were talking about. That all the way up to the weigh-ins. Yeah, was like, I'm he, coming, was, I'm coming, he was hitting I'm me up. I was hitting him up because I do. I was yes, something that was well, something that uh, Mark Romano. You know, Mark Romano used to have a promotion. And he used to match make. And something he told me that I took to heart was follow up with everybody once a week. Yeah, like make sure that they're all still down because you can't talk to them and then not talk to them for five weeks and expect them to show up. They're not going to show up. Touch base with everybody. I bet that was a hard lesson. To once learn. a week, once a week, once a week. Oh yeah, yeah. He had some, he had some nightmare stories because he was doing it back in the day when there weren't as many legit schools. So you're dealing with more <coughs> mom and pop schools that really aren't that good, or you're dealing with a lot of people training out of their garage that aren't yeah. real fighters. And when you're dealing with those guys, you're asking for headaches. You're asking for it. And you know we had a garage school on my card, and they all showed up and, and fought. Damn. They all showed up and put on a show, you know. Yeah, I could imagine, dude. Sure like, they lost, I, I but could they see showed up. Like, best row in that probably would be promoting. And it's like, uh, I'm finding everything to be a lot easier when I'm not trying to be everything and just having the right people with these type of events that can. Oh, yeah, I imagine a team could, yeah. would make things a lot easier. And we had a team, though. I mean, and I can only imagine team. social media made everything so much easier. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Promotion mm -hmm. and every, promoting the event and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, made it way easier. I, I enjoyed it, but it just, it was a lot. It was a whole lot for a couple weeks. So it was a lot of nerves, a whole lot of work compressed into like, especially the day of weigh-ins, the week of the fight, day of weigh-ins, and day of the fight. Man, you're mm -hmm. get, it's, I mean, it's nonstop from the time from 5, 6 in the morning to 10, 11, 12, midnight, 1, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. every day for those two or three days. You're wide open. You are going. I mean, you ain't got hardly time to shower. And then you got a break, yep. you know, and it's over. You but got, it's. You got to take that big bastard down there. You got, well, you, you got to set right it up. up and then take, take it, it down. Right back down and put it up again. Yeah. Because you got to take it down from here. What do you do, though? Like, you have to rent a U Haul trailer for that? No, I've got a trailer. I put it in. That's yeah. a task, though. Oh, it's a monster. I bet it is. It's a monster. You need about five guys, really. Yeah. Four or five guys to really do it right. To, to to I mean two guys three three guys can do it, but you going it's gonna be a, a a monster taking that cage down and setting it back up. That is one thing like walking in here and it still gets me. Anytime I see a cage, I was like, you know, it's kind of I don't know. I guess being a kid walking into like a theme park and seeing the yeah. roller coaster, like, oh look at that. Yeah, that's why it's up. We don't even use it. We spar in it every <laughs> once in a while. We barely use it. Kids play in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we spar in it maybe. Once every other week or something. I bet them kids love it. Though. Yeah, it's, it's awesome because I remember I remember the first time I walked into a, a gym. I walked into Dixon's Dungeon for the first time. I saw a, like a cage. Man, he just got out of the hospital, didn't he? For the first time, did he? I saw it on Facebook. I ain't been on Facebook. Way. I need all at it. Um, and I remember walking into his gym and it was a floor cage. It wasn't even a cage like this. It was a floor cage. Uh -huh. But I was taken aback. I was like, "Whoa, this is amazing. This is awesome." Yeah. You know, I was just blown away by it. And it it really it does it does set you apart a little bit you having that up but you really don't make any money on it like it, it's really for how much you have to spend because a new cage is a cheap rinky dinky one you might get it new for six seven thousand five six seven thousand a cage like that that's probably a twenty thousand dollar cage new fifth ten between ten and twenty depending on I mean you can spend as much or as little as you want on one but I bought that one used that one was a it was a promotion out of North Alabama. That mine 
came from, and they had done shows in it for a long time, and I bought it from them after they had shut down, and I got a pretty good deal on it. But, I mean, it, it does it does kind of, when you walk into the gym, it is kind of like, well, wow. It catches your eye. Yeah, like, yeah that's awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. So They're kind of like haunted houses, like when you think about the <laughs> amount of, like, knockouts and, and submissions and, and stories <laughs> that have, have gone out inside of me. Oh, like, man, the amount of blood that's been cleaned up out of that floor yeah. is crazy. It's crazy. I used to like going like the SFCKs that has the white floor yeah. or the light gray floor, and there's blood it's, stains all it's over. It's pink now. Yeah, you, you go to these, <laughs> and there's a lot of them that do have them that color, and I like it because you like that's why I think that's one of the reasons why that floor is red to help cover that up. But you see these cages, and there's I mean just the amount of blood that they've seen because I mean some people you, when you're talking about 10, 15 fights in it a night. And you put on a show three, four times a year, and that cage used to get rented out to people. So it sometimes was in use every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you think in 10, 20 fights in it a weekend, you know, between eight and 15, probably, somebody in that night's gonna bleed Lots every night. Somebody's gonna bleed every night. Ugh. I remember I, was, I always I was, thought about that. Like, if I had a fight later in the card and like a couple matches like got bloody, and you were just like, Fighting over someone else's blood, it's like is that you in know, the back of your mind a little bit? You know, it's like the gladiator. No, really. <laughs> but what, what did get in my head when I first started fighting? I remember I had a fight one time in Meridian, and another one here in Columbus. I, I had a few fights where people would come back into my locker room before I fought, just fucked up, like blood just everywhere. They got splits, their heads split open from here to here. They've got eyes swole shut. Blood coming out of their nose. They looked like they were just hit by a train. And that, when I first started, that used to get in my head a little bit. Did you hit them with that smoky quote? You just got knocked up. No, absolutely. <laughs> I would never do that. Somebody just and got And I the just case. jinxed myself. Yeah, absolutely. I would never do that. One ever. Of the, one of the worst ones I say it was actually on that card. Luckily, I fought in the first in the evening, but that guy out of Jackson, um, later on in the evening, I can't remember his damn name now, but he had one of them. Cuts from my elbow that went across his forehead like that. Those are nasty, dude. Oh, dude. Those are nasty. I saw a fight one time. I remember one time uh, Brian Albin fought a guy in Jackson, oh. and I fought on the car. You remember Brian Albin? Yeah, I remember that. You remember it that wasn't fight? On the same, no, it wasn't that fight, but when he, he fought that guy at the in the courtyard at the, at the casino. Yeah. And it sounded like when they were hitting each other, like I couldn't even describe the sound it was. And the next day, like, like – even with his glasses on, I could tell through his glasses, like, this face his, is fucked. He up. beat this one dude's ass so bad in Jackson, he turned this whole dude's face solid black Damn. by the end of the fight. When they got out of the cage, homie's face from the t- his hairline to his chin I believe was black. Nothing white. You know, he fought Houston Alexander, too, Yeah, uh, there in Jackson. That was after the one. Well, shout out to that guy. He's tough. Oh, oh man, yeah. hell yeah. He's a U.S. Marine, too. Yeah. Brian Albin was. Mm-hmm. Is. That's dope. Yep. Yeah, he, that, was, he was a big name back in the day. Yeah. Back when I was coming up, Brian Alvin was kind of the, the probably one of the guys from Mississippi. Like he was the, he was kind of the the guy. But you know, there's levels, and you know, I, I, I think I think Houston Alexander beat him, didn't he? I believe he did. I can't remember. I believe he did. But you know, Houston Alexander was in the UFC forever. Yeah, he fought Kimbo. He you know, hit hard. Yeah, Damn, he that'd hard. be a fun one to have on your resume. Fight Kimbo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember I used to watch Kimbo, and I still, I still watch street fights. With still Kimbo. go back and watch the street fights, dude. And they I'm get like, me pumped up. man, homie could fight. Yes, he could. Homie could fight. He could fight for real. Like I, they talk about, like, he wasn't trained. He had to have been training somewhere. You know, what used to get trained on, on the streets. Watching no. the videos, 
was the amount of people that went in there after they'd seen his street fights thought and thought they could, they could take him. Yeah. I'm like, dude, Kimmel's D- over here. Delusional. Yeah, he's Delusional. over here in, in gym shorts, and you're over here in, like, you like you just came out of you know out of the bed and Kimbo's ready to throw. And hands he never on backed him. down, dude. He was always like in the middle of the storm and he was beating the hell out of you from the inside. It seemed yeah. like you know he 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 had good head movement. He had good punches, good power. He was tough. Like that first one and in the backyard so where he was like letting letting the guy hit him. He oh, was yeah. like, "Come on, hit me!" And he hit him like two or three solid times. And Kimbo was like, "Oh, that's all you got. This is over." And you could just see the other guys. Countenance. Everything just drained. Just. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that, was that the one where the, he hit the dude a few times and he tried to quit? And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, come on, let's go, yeah. keep fighting." He's like, "No, nah, I don't want to fight anymore." He's like, "No, nah, let's yeah. go." Uh, like, what do you do in that situation? You got to keep fighting. If he wants to keep fighting, you got to keep fighting because he'll kill you. You don't want to fight line. Kimbo, but he's telling I'm you to keep fighting. Fight. Yeah. Damn, Paul. Well, that's too damn bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? What do you do? What do you do in that situation? And I wonder if people still fighting. watch his videos. Oh, hell yeah, I still watch it. That's what I'm saying. I still there's watch no them. way. There's four people in this room, and two of us still watch we, his videos. But we started watching watch before. Oh, you mean like new people? Yeah, like if there's people like that come across him or people talk about it. I bet people watch him after we talk about him now. Oh, yeah. If you've never wa- sat and watched. Oh, you just spoke it into existence. This is going to happen. If you've never watched Kimbo Slice Street Fight videos. And honestly, man, he gets some hate because of his MMA performance in the UFC. Bro, for him to come into the UFC at 40 years old. With no jujitsu really before that. He had done some boxing. I don't care what anybody says. And a lot of times you also hear like how him and Jorge Masvidal knew each other. They him and Jorge Masvidal knew each other because okay, they trained at the same gym. Yeah, well he mm-hmm. backyard fought too. Yeah, he yeah. fought in Kimbo's right, there, yeah. you can go watch Jorge fighting in Kimbo's backyard little fight club, bare knuckle fight club, mm-hmm. boxing fight club. Young man. Yeah, when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it back in the day. I remember watching Jorge Masvidal fight way before Jorge was in the UFC. I thought his name was George. because uh, I can't <laughs> I can't read Spanish, you know what I mean? Like, I just, uh, George, you know. But I remember watching, I was like, damn, can everybody in Miami fight like this? Should have seen Pretty like, much. like, holy shit. Like, like, they ain't, they can't. They can't. <laughs> no, they can't. No. You know, because, I mean, Jorge, both those guys went to the UFC. Like, but I was like, damn, can everybody fight? Because I thought, they, I was like, man, this dude's just some dude off the street. This dude is no joke. Another guy that caught a lot of heat. Was uh was it Big Country Nelson? Yeah, you know him and Alan Belcher about to fight for the for the bare knuckle MMA heavyweight title December November eleventh. Fuck, dude! I, golly, you remember? I remember watching. Uh, what was it? What do they call it? It was Forrest Griffin and uh, was it UFC fighter? The Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate, Ultimate Fighter. fighter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that one when he was on there. He fought Kimbo. Kimbo, yeah. Yeah. They, they both made it, but yeah. Um, damn, those they were warriors. Dude. Yeah, but Big Country got on top of him, put his belly in his face, and just. Crucified that's, him. That's his trademark. Just beat him up, you know. I mean, you get a guy that big on you, that Smoke strong. Smoke him if you got him. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, pin somebody's on. Not only is he heavy, he's got that belly on you. He can box, but he's a he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a killer. Man. Yeah, that's a monster. But Alan Bill just he's killer, been fi- too, He's been fighting my boy Alan. I think I'm going to go down and watch that one. Where is that at? Biloxi. Ooh, oh, you want to watch it? That's I think I'm going to go down and watch it. It's going to be tight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll probably drive up afterwards to do the podcast, but yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, you have something to talk about. That I'm day pumped, for sure. man. Yeah, November eleventh. Yep. Okay, there's yep. several people. Oh, that's the same night as my uh, songwriter night here in town. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, we both I'm, had something to talk about. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it, man. I mean, Alan has just manifested this shit. I mean, you, uh, just looking at it, ain't that in Jorge's? Yeah. League, too. Yeah, that's so Jorge Masvidal's Everything we're talking promotion. about yeah. coming together. Jorge Masvidal started Bridge, which is a bare-knuckle MMA promotion. Alan's about to fight for the heavyweight title of it. You know, Alan 
just won the bare knuckle boxing heavyweight title. It was a little controversial, but he won it. Got stripped. Now he's going to bare knuckle MMA. And what's impressive is he quit fighting MMA at like 33 or 34. Mm-hmm. Did not fight for six or seven years. Came back at 38 or 39 and has done all this. He's just an absolute dog. He's coming up on 40 now. He came back at like 37, I guess. I think he quit at 32, 33. I don't remember. He had like a seven-year layoff. I remember I remember watching Belcher. This was like, and probably many of you remembered, it was back when, you know, Chuck Liddell and all yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, all those guys. I can't blank in. But yeah, Tito Ortiz, Randy Tito Ford. Ortiz, yeah. yeah. It was during that time. middleweight then, wasn't he? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And he was one of my favorites, and I didn't even realize that he was kind of local to here. I just like watching him fight. Yeah. You know? I remember when I first really got turned on to him was actually um, I was a blue, I was a white belt. I just got started training. I had had one or two fights, and there was this guy that came in, and I'd heard of Alan Belcher. I'd seen him fight, but I didn't really know who he was. And there was a guy came in who was a purple belt, and we had like a like this impromptu training session one night, one one Sunday afternoon because holy shit, there's a purple belt, and I had never met a purple belt before. A purple belt back then was a big deal. I mean, purple belt back then, you stop what you're doing and you go learn from him because this dude knows some jujitsu. And I was like, man, what are you training? He's like, I trained at Remix MMA, Alan Belcher School, because Alan owned two schools on the coast while he was in the UFC. So he owned two schools while fighting in the UFC, which is also unheard of. Um, he comes in and teaches some jujitsu, and he gives us, a, a like, a little free pass thing. Hey, when you're over there, Mo, will you close those blinds? No, okay, thank you. It's blinding me. Um, and I was like, bet. So I made the trip down there. And before I went down there, I was like, right, let's, I'm going to study up on him. And I started watching him. Man, this dude's a monster. Mm-hmm. This dude's a monster. I mean, just his striking was incredible, you know. And I went down there and trained with him right before he fought, right before Wes Shivers went to the Ultimate Fighter. He was down there training, and he left for the Ultimate Fighter while I was there. And then it was also right before he fought uh, Yushira Akiyama the first time, Sexyama, and lost. And um, that's when me and him kind of met. And we didn't really talk much after that. Like, we, we trained together a few times, but I went over to Dixon and, and started training at Dixon's. And at that time, he was kind of on the way out, wasn't he? He was about to take his break. No, yeah, he took a little bit of a break. He had the eye injury, and then he came back and just started running through the division in his late 20s, early 30s. And he went on, like, a seven-fight win streak, became number three in the world, and that's when he lost to Michael Bisbing. I and that fight. somebody else got eye-poked after he had lost, separated his retina in training. And you had Dan Henderson. I mean, that that middleweight during that time was so <laughs> fucking to, stacked. Yeah, it was stacked. So he yeah, killed Bisbing on that yeah. fly down. One of my favorite fights. I like Bisbing now, but I hated him back then. <laughs> I did too. And, and that was like the UK versus America for me. And I was like, good as ass, Henderson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how I felt too. You saw him later. They, they, they dressed out Bisbing in like a red yeah, coat, like yeah, red coat. British uh, yeah. uniform. And I, it was like, hell yeah. Like I – I'm still a big Dan. Dan Hendricks is one of my all-time favorite fighters. But I will, yeah, me too. I will never forget that punch. Like it's constant replay in my mind. He came in with that inside low calf kick, just to set his weight on his back leg, and then threw that H bomb overhand right, and just (laughs) and then landed another H bomb on him. Yeah, then he dove through the air, feet off the ground, and dropped the hammer. I, I swear, I had an erection for three days after that fight, bro. For three days, I was walking around just like, oh, man. I, I was so impressed. I was so 
That was when I was really into fighting. Can we? Are we allowed to say that? Can we say that? Uh, let's not try it. Okay. Let's not try it. Oh, I would love I was, to, but I was going to get my heart beating. I'd say uh, check it out after. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it for sure. Dang, I'm surprised it didn't kill him. I swear. And Dude, then, we, I thought, yeah, I thought and then was, TRT I, tour knocked his eye out. I thought oh, yeah. his head was going to go through the canvas when he, he did that. Michael shit. Bisbing is taking some big shots. Yes, he has. I mean, that head kick that made him lose his eye to 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 Vitor Belfort when it, when Vitor was TRT tour just. That's why I think we should legalize steroids. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was just oh, racked, just just jacked. I like it. Did yeah. y'all like, like Matt Hughes? Loved him. I used to like him. Okay, BJ Penn. I, I like him. A okay, huge BJ Penn fan. Uh, Matt Hughes. I've always heard was a dick mm. in real life. Really, I've always heard he was a dickhead. I've never, I've never had any dealings with him, and I hate to speak ill of him now that he's a vegetable, basically. Um, but mm. <clears throat> you know, he got hit by a train. Yeah. Have no, you not heard about this? No, I did not know yeah, that. So, so Matt Hughes here a few years ago, he quit fighting, and he started working on a farm, working on his farm, and, and he started farming. Sure. and Because that's where he's from. You know, that's just what he grew up doing. And um, him and his wife had issues. I think they had got divorced because that's the thing about these guys, man. And, and I, in a lot of ways. You think it was because it was. No, like I just think I, you take somebody who's meant to be a fighter. Mm-hmm. And you see these guys, they don't do well after, mentally. They they need that. They need that something extra. They need to go. They need the light, the, the the spotlight. They need the 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 pop of the crowd. Like he was pound for pound one of the greatest fighters that had ever done it. Mm-hmm. And you go from that to just working on a farm and being a nobody again. And he, he just needed something. He needed. And for a while, he wasn't working on the farm. He started working on the farm to help him out mentally. Because just sitting at home, he just could not handle it. He could not handle sitting at home not doing anything. Yeah, I don't think I could do After anything. being a world champion, yeah. and he's and the so UFC driven. And a world class wrestler. Like you, you don't become that good at something unless you're just there's something in you driving you. There's something just yeah. in your spirit, in your gut that's just like you got to go. You need to go to work. You need to go be, to be doing. You need to be accomplishing something. And he had that. And then you see these guys, and then at, at 35 to 40, they're done. Maybe 42, 43, they're done. What what next? And that's why you see the Roy Jones Juniors, who he kept fighting until he was 50. Yeah. Because, well, and. Or you get some of them like Randy Couture start acting and stuff, which I think that's cool. That's cool. But like, but you got, but a lot of them don't it's have the skill set for that. They just can't do it. Yeah. They just, they aren't good actors. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like a lot of them just aren't good actors. Yeah. I mean, arguably, is Randy Couture a good actor? I don't know. I don't know. But what do you do? You're 40 years old. A lot of them didn't make enough money to retire, no, you know, no, no, but they don't have a skill set. You're 40 years old. You, your only skill set is beating the shit out of people. You know, B.J. Penn went crazy. B.J. Penn, you know, he got knocked out in a street fight because really? he was talking shit. Yeah, he was drunk talking shit, and the guy stole off of him and dropped him. Damn. You know, and it made us all look kind of bad, you I know. that happened to Wes Shivers recently. It did. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. No one's going to say nothing about it, but he was down at the, oh, at the little, beach little down island there. down yeah. there in Brandon, Mississippi. Talking shit, and he was getting into it with a guy, and uh, he kind of deserved it. Really, he was talking yeah. shit and thinking his size was going to intimidate everybody. And, just, and his sure did and it, this girl kind of got up in his face and was doing something. He pushed her, well, and then her thing, husband buddy. or somebody—I don't know who he was—saw it and just came over and just caught him right on the button. And it's one of the reasons I don't drink in groups, man. Mm-hmm. I don't drink in groups because thing too, a lot of people don't realize everybody has a button. Yep. And if you catch him, yep. especially if you've been drinking, brother, oh, yeah. you've been drinking. The button expands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just gets easier to knock you out. And I ain't trying to – I don't want to be in a highlight reel like that because I know – I think that's one of the things about fighting that this makes you humble. 
Oh, yeah, he's like six seven, yeah. six eight. He's, huge he's like three hundred pounds, solid rock. Yeah, like he's like I remember meeting him in person, and you see him on TV and stuff, and it really doesn't. He was so big, yeah, he gassed. He gassed on the Ultimate Fighter, and he was propped up on the top of the cage. The cage is six, over, oh, a little over six he's foot tall. Hanging on it. He he was hanging on. He was putting his arm on it like this, yeah. like resting. I am. <sighs> I never out of gas because he's fighting James McSweeney. First time I ever seen him was at that same spot, the same night that Brian. I'm, I was talking about fought that the was that the Treasure Island. Yeah, Tre- Treasure Bay Hotel and Casino. And you was, I think it was you told me there's West Shivers over, and I was like, where? And he was like, the, the tall guy, and I could see his head over. Yeah, so over everybody. He looks like a gorilla. Yeah, he looks like a gorilla. Like you look at him, his chest and everything's out to here. His chin like is out to here, and he's just <laughs> he looks scary. I mean, just the visual factor of him. Yeah. I remember when he got knocked out by Mongo Tidwell. He got knocked out by Mongo, and Mongo really wasn't a good fighter in terms of technique. That's his real name, Mongo? I don't know. I only know him as Mongo cool. Tidwell. That's pretty cool. um, And Wes had beat the shit out of him in the fight, and then Mongo came with that big Dan Henderson-style overhand right and just caught him on the button and knocked mm-hmm. him smooth out. It can happen, yeah, especially when you're at super heavyweight and heavyweight, oh, yeah. and these guys are throwing these bombs at you. Like you, uh, I mean, Derek Lewis's and your Francis and right, and that's why you know in in the in the UFC you don't see these guys. I mean, Steve Miocic has the most title defenses, like three mm-hmm. or four at heavyweight, because at the top of the top of heavyweight, as hard as these dudes are punching in four ounce gloves, it's just easy to go to sleep, man. Oh yeah, that, I think we've talked about this on here too, because um, it's hard to tell how hard he was hitting. But remember, Shane Carwin oh, was man. dirty boxing and upper. It didn't even look like the uppercut had much force. Oh, Frank Mir and dropped. Frank Mir was a mother too. Dude. Yeah, Frank Mir wasn't no joke, and he he had Frank Mir up on the cage and just said, and <coughs> just hit him with a short uppercut <laughs> and just turned him into a sack of potatoes. The amount of power that that short uppercut. I remember, had. like, uh, I think everybody was, wondering why I didn't fight heavyweight. Like, that's why. This shit hurts, dude. That's why. <laughs> yeah, but this was was it Frank Mir was the only guy that had any hope to beat Brock Lesnar. He did beat him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he did beat him just with jujitsu though. Mm-hmm. Just out techniqued him in jujitsu. You know, Brock was on top of him. He rolled for that knee bar and got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Brock got enough submission defense in the second fight, and then Tore man, his ass up. looking at the when Brock was hitting him with those short punches on top, and ha- was in his half guard, and Mir was up on his side, and Brock was on top and was hitting him with those little short punches, and was just demolishing him. Could you just imagine? I hurt him. like hell, dude. I guarantee it. Dang, I mean, thinking like, damn. I like I talk about, I talk about how hard Eric Anders hit. I promise you, Brock Lesnar hit a lot harder. I couldn't even. For I couldn't. Sure. I couldn't. I'm not that tough. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't handle it. You know, wear a four X glove. Four, he I mean, wore. His a, like, he, Shane Carwin had five X gloves, and they had to cut them. They had to take. Five, I wore an extra large glove. That's okay? like a bowling I'm a big ball guy. And in, yeah. uh, like it's hard to tell how big I am. People always when they come into the show, they're always like, "Holy shit, you're way bigger than I thought." Yeah. Because y'all are big guys, and I'm bigger than y'all. You know, in terms of height and everything. Like, people sure. come in here and they're like. Oh, damn, I didn't realize you were this big. <laughs> I'm an extra-large glove, though. Shane Carlin was a 5X glove that they had to cut the sides of and then tape to get him on his hands. Mm-hmm. Bruh. Can you imagine that's that? That's an animal. <laughs> that's a gorilla. That's a bear hand. That's, a, that's, a, that's not a human. That's a dinosaur. Dude, that hand span just cover your whole I mean, the, his hand was probably about that wide. I mean, he was probably – his hand was probably as wide as mine is long. Mm. You know? 
It's just insane. Just unbelievable. His little finger, his fingers are like sausage, like sausages hanging out of that glove. <laughs> like bratwurst. Uh, <laughs> you know, he grabbed you. How you gonna get loose? You ready to get the bag on the grill? And that, uh, you know, Brandon McCatherine, this is an interesting one. This might make a good short. Brandon McCatherine made a post the other day, and he says, you versus LeBron James. So I want to jiu-jitsu people in a street fight. Who do you think wins? I'm going to be honest with you. Probably LeBron. I don't know. Because I, of the amount of athleticism? Just because of how athletic he is. Within two or three years of him training, he would destroy any of us. Two years, a oh, year, sure. a year of training, he destroys. Like, I'll be like honest with natural you. Natural athletes like that, dude, or because there's just some people. I was talking about this to, with my dad and and another guy in the office this week. There's point zero one percent of the population, or maybe one percent. I don't know. Very small percentage of the population. They're just different. Yeah, they're just special. They're different. And ninety nine out of a hundred people. I say 999 out of 1,000 people that walk in the door on their first day, they are a goldfish out of water on the ground. Mm-hmm. We start rolling around. They just flop and flail. And they might be strong, but it doesn't matter. They get tooled. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. It's just the facts. Yeah. But there is that one, that one dude on his first day, he's giving the purple belts a hard time. He's giving, he's giving, he's giving the brown belts a hard time. There's some people that have come in and been smaller than me, and it's a black belt. I'm tapping them, but after the roll, I'm like, "Holy shit!" They're just strong. Like they're, uh, they're athletic, they know how to move. They're, they're, they know that it's like they instinctively understand leverage. Mm-hmm. Like Ty Johnson when he, he was in there, yeah. so he was one of those guys. Um, and you think you think you're special until you top one of those. See, because I'm the he one out of a hundred. He wasn't even NCAA collegiate. He right? Was, he was he was JUCO. Yeah, and he was he was JUCO standout. Yeah. Juco. That's an interesting like sport to pick too, because like automatically, if you're thinking maybe a football player, you'd be like, I probably don't have a good chance. But a basketball player, he's like, yeah, he's tall, he's got a wingspan, he's athletic. Like, oh, have you said how big he is, LeBron James? Yeah, is big dude. I mean, he's just dude, yeah. just inside. If, let's say he's inside your guard. You know what I mean? He's inside your guard, and you're trying to get something off, and he didn't want you to get anything off. All he's got to do is just try to stop you from doing stuff. And what jujitsu is? So fundamentally, what is jujitsu? Is a, is a spider web. It's a trap. It's a trap system. So I'm going to make you react, and then I'm going to take advantage of your reaction. And I'm going to do that as many times as it takes for you to make a mistake big enough for me to capitalize. Did you see that meme? When a, when a B, BJJ guy's home gets invaded? And he sits down, yeah. <laughs> um, but when you have somebody that's that athletic, especially when they're punching you, because that's one thing about jiu-jitsu. That's one thing I don't like about jiu-jitsu culture. We don't strike in our jiu-jitsu program either. We have the MMA program that we do to kind of keep it real. I say the other right? night when I was in here, they beating the hell out of each other. Yeah, we were, well, that was MMA. We were, we were yeah. sparring. When I got when you saw me, I was in so much pain that night. Man, <laughs> I was hurting bad. I honestly didn't think I was going to be able to teach. Um, but that's probably the most pain I've been in in a while. It looked like it. I was, in, I was hurting bad. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah, I had caught a couple good shots. There you go. And... I really shouldn't have been smart, and my knee gave out on me, mm. and I really couldn't move the way I needed to move because my knee was hurt. That's the first thing you said when you walked out the back. I knew better than the spar. I knew I didn't need to spar. <laughs> I knew my knee was messed up, but I got all these young bucks that are good athletes, and I, there's just something in me. I just can't turn it off. I it's get around like, it, and like I'm watching them spar. A fresh box of pizza, and you're like, I don't need none of that pizza, but damn, it looks damn, good. Damn, it looks good. That's how I am about sparring. That's wrong. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same way. And I knew I was going to get hurt, and I did. And after, afterwards, I was like, man, I think I'm just done with striking for a while. Mm-hmm. I think strike. But you look at an athlete like LeBron James, because he's special among the people that are special. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the guys in the NBA. Most of those guys, oh, excuse me, most of those guys in the NBA 
are just unbelievably special. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably special. And he's the top 0.1% of those. of those guys. Of the maybe the top 0.01%. You might be a LeBron hater. You might say he's soft. And a lot of people are. But you just can't, you can't argue with his athleticism. And the thing about it is, you might say he's soft because he, he does milk the rules a little bit and you know he'll, 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 flail. he'll flail around or whatever. He's milking rules. And the thing about it is, to be honest with you, most people that train, unless they're also a really good athlete, I don't know with striking that they can do enough damage to like really make him do that. You know, you saw it with Brock because Brock was that way a little bit in, ter- in terms of toughness. He had the athleticism. But we saw it in the Shane Carwin fight. We definitely saw it in the Overeem fight. When you have another special person that just punches them in the mouth, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, no, no, no. Because that's, that's another thing about fighters is their ability to, like, take those hard shots. Do you have that? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. Not at that level. At the local level, yeah, I'll take those shots. Mm-hmm. But against those guys, they hit different. They just punch different. I don't want to get hit by that. Not for a living. Not that be my job, you know. You know, and, and the thing about um – Natural athletes like that, they, they take everything that they've ever learned and collectively use it. A perfect example of Brock Lesnar was, you know, he was a wrestler, but then he came to fight. But remember when he fought Heath Herring? Oh, you know, he yeah. played NFL football, too. Yeah. And when he, he bulldozed him across the damn ring, that was perfect form tackle. Yeah. Yeah, he, he went and he tried out for the Minnesota Vikings with a torn groin and ran a fucking four five with a torn <laughs> groin. He was 300 pounds of solid muscle. And ran a four five forty yeah. with a torn groin. Mm. Built different. They truly just they different, man. They're just different, you know. And you see these people at home talking shit, and you're just like, bro, he's a bitch, bro. You don't even understand, man. Yeah. Ben Hardy says, if you haven't read it, you should read Tim Kenny's book, Scars and Stripes. I've heard it's good. Roy Jones was just uh, 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 on Lee Carl's podcast. We were actually talking about that before the podcast started. That's how we got into that. That's actually how we got into that in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Tim Kennedy, I always enjoyed watching him fight. Oh, man, I love I like Tim Kennedy. I love Tim Kennedy. Just uh, uh, I, That's the reason, like, Tim Kennedy, Brock Lesnar, I'm going to tell you what they have in common. Tim Kennedy, Brock Lesnar, Daniel Cormier, um, people who have done something at an extremely high level in multiple things. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Like, if you can go and you can compete at the top of the world in one sport and then transition and do it in another. Now, wrestling in MMA is not as big of a jump because one of the hardest things to learn in MMA and get good at is wrestling, like really getting your wrestling up to par. It's the least fun thing to train. You know, if you didn't grow up doing it, it's hard. To, so wrestling's a little different. But to go from Deion special Sanders. forces, uh, another one, yeah, baseball and football, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan, which, I mean, he didn't do as well in baseball, yeah. but he competed. He did it. Mm-hmm. Shit, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, another another athlete. And Auburn, different. great. He was from Auburn. That's right. He sure was. You know, there's there's several fighters that, I mean, they didn't fare too well in the UFC, but they came from the NFL. There's yeah. a lot of them that come from the NFL. Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy. He went. Uh, he's in Bar- he was in Bare Knuckle. Uh, Brendan Schaub. He, Brendan Schaub yeah, did, did well. Eric Anders was a Eric Anders, yeah. Anders, University yeah. of Alabama alum. Yeah, and then he he tried his hand at the NFL. I don't think he quite could make it. Then he, he played Canadian ball, though, didn't he? I think? Did he? I don't know. I, I think, think he, he got into like one of those leagues. Yeah, I think right. Yeah, for like a year or something. You need to take up on the invite, Eric, and just come on the show so we can talk about it. I'm pretty sure he's not listening, but I do need to hit him up. I do need to hit him back up and and follow up with him. Um, I need to hire just get somebody who will, like, help book guests. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't have the time to do it. I don't have the time to plan it out. Tyler, where you at, man? Well, November 12th, I'll have three songwriters in town. Heck, yeah, let's get them on here. 
Well, hey, guys, this has been a good episode. I've enjoyed talking fights with y'all, man. This has been good. Uh, make sure to go check out our socials, the Mississippi Superman on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, also, check out the Mana Podcast on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there, except for Pandora. I don't think we're on Pandora. Um, but we'll see y'all on the next episode of the Mana Podcast. Peace.